KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with somebody that you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One. Growing up, we'd be playing outside in the neighborhood, and I was the, the one kid that was probably the annoying one that was always yelling at another 12 year old that was out of position to move him somewhere on the field. And, you know, that's, that's not where you should be playing, you should be doing it this way. You know, I was—I feel like I was that type of personality. I was a guy that was making up teams, trying to make them as as even as possible. And our guest this week, John Yurkow, he is the head baseball coach at the University of Pennsylvania. He has been in charge of the program since July of 2013. Prior to that, had a seven-year run as an assistant for the Quakers. John, thanks so much for the time. Yeah, appreciate you having me on, man. So let's start as we are recording this in mid to late September. Uh, what is life like for a college baseball coach these days? We were talking off the air. Uh, it's a it's a busy time of year. People associate college baseball with the spring, but you have a lot going on right now. Yeah, it's a it's a fun time of the year, I think, for the coaching staff. It is busy, you know, getting the kids back on campus, trying to get the new players acclimated to, uh, you know, how we do things and, uh, you know, our processes and it's uh it's good for on the teaching side we get to do a lot of individual skill instruction you know as we start that's kind of where we're just finishing that phase of our fall up and getting ready to head into our actual fall season here so yeah this is an exciting time to be be back on campus and, and getting some things done on the on the field you guys had a ton of success the in the 2022 spring season and just aside from the success i know the previous two years because of COVID, everything was upside down. You played a very limited schedule. You had a very promising 2020 season. They had to pull the plug on. How much was 2022, not just satisfying from a wins and losses standpoint, but to be able to just get back out there, get into routine, play baseball consistently again? Yeah, it was. I mean, we had a tough stretch. Um, you know, it's something we couldn't control. So to go out last year and have – you know, some semblance of normalcy, um, you know, that started in the fall. It was just great to see the guys, you know, back out on the field and doing the, doing the things that they enjoyed doing, um, you know, and I thought we had a great fall last year. You had a different perspective on things. I think, uh, you know, you, you learn not to take things for granted because baseball was taken away from us for, for a while. Um, and, it, you know, the guys did a great job taking that and that energy and rolling it into the spring. And like you said, we had a, we had a pretty good season, you know, accomplishment wise and did some really cool things last year on and off the field. So let's talk a little bit about your origin story with baseball. Were you always a baseball kid growing up or were you playing everything, you know, that was going on? No, I think I back in, I think people my age were growing up. It, it wasn't as uh, common just to play one sport. So I guess it just depended on what season it was. It went from, uh, football to, to hockey to, to baseball played a little basketball in high school so yeah I guess whatever whatever season it was wherever ball or stick or bat we get our hands on growing up was kind of kind of how we did it at what point did baseball kind of separate itself for you I think when I was probably in, in middle school you know I think looking back on it deciding to go to Gloucester Catholic you know I think that kind of started the whole thing and it's interesting how that started. My one of my father's friends, his son was a few years older, played baseball, and he recommended Gloucester Catholic. You know, when I was in, in middle school, and it was something I I kind of followed up on, and I wound up 
you know, going to Gloucester Catholic and, you know, that's kind of where that all started going, going to Gloucester Catholic, having a chance to play for Brooklyn American Legion. I was really fortunate. I had great coaches, you know, coming up, you know, starting in South Jersey, even at the, in, I grew up in Washington Township, you know, at the little league level coming, we had a lot of success and traveling around and playing. Uh, and then, you know, in high school, I played for Al Rodano, Gloucester Catholic, and then Dennis Barth and, and Pop Barth senior for, for Brooklyn Legion. So that's kind of where I got my start with baseball and we're really fortunate to have just great coaching there. You know, looking back on it, it was probably one of the reasons why I decided to get into coaching myself. You know, you talk about those days. Was there a moment when you realized you didn't just love it, but you were better at it than a lot of the kids you were playing with? Like, was there a tangible, like, huh, I might be able to take this further than most or did you just kind of play love of the game and as the doors opened you took advantage of it yeah I don't I mean I had a a good career but I never felt like I was going to be the best player on the team all the time I you know I had some success personally and I think I enjoyed more the team success and I think again you know trying to, to to get everybody together you know whether it was winning a state championship or you know, and same thing, you know, kind of leading into college. And I think that's when I realized when I was in college that I was going to get into coaching at some point. But, you know, growing up, it was just like you said, I think it was just playing the game because I love to play baseball, the, the competitive side of it. I think it's a great sport. You know, you pitcher and a hitter out there and everybody's watching. There's no there's no, no place to hide. Uh, and I think that's one of the things I really enjoyed about it, the competition side of things. Did you appreciate the and it sounds like you did because of the idea of coaching, but how much did that cerebral side of the game, the strategy, the, you know, when you're in the field, all right, this guy likes to go the other way. Let me shade this way. I mean, obviously coaches are telling you, but how much did it, did it go beyond just catching the ball, hitting the ball and running around? Yeah. I, I can think back to like growing up, we'd be playing outside in the neighborhood. And I was the, the one kid that was probably the annoying one that was always yelling at another 12 year old. Uh, he was out of position and moved him somewhere on the field. And that's not where you should be playing. You should be doing it this way. You know, I was, I feel like I was that type of personality. It was a guy that was making up teams, trying to make them as, as even as possible. So that's where it started. I think it was just kind of in my nature. I think a lot of that I'd probably get from my father <laughs> who actually coached me when I was younger. And I think a lot of those same traits, I think I, I kind of, I took on. So you talk about Gloucester Catholic and such when you, you end up going to Rowan to play college baseball were you looking to stay local or was it just the best opportunity when everything was on the table that you, you thought you could take advantage of? Yeah, it was interesting. 20 some years ago, the college recruiting scene was a lot different than it is today. You know, I looked at going to some other schools, you know, so maybe some bigger schools. And I just felt like really hit it off with the coach at Rowan. It was, it was Juan Ranero at the time. And I thought that was going to be, wind up being a good fit, decided to stay local, got on the field early in my career there, which was great for me. And it just goes to show like, it's really, you know, I think a lot of people get hung up on playing division one baseball nowadays, which I could see why, but I think it's really what's more important is finding a right fit. I think for where I was with my career at that time, like it was just a good spot for me to be able to go and, and compete and play right away. It turned out to be a really good decision for me in that your early career at Rowan was the difference tangible to you like going to college baseball was it pretty smooth or were there a couple of oh okay like you know it's it's a little bit of a different game now yeah I I, I think there's always going to be adjustments from level to level yeah I, I, I think there was a time like 
where maybe it wasn't as easy. I, you know, you, you get to be a senior in high school, right? And you think you got to kind of figure it out and you're one of the better players on the team. And as soon as you have it figured out, you go to college and you're right back to, to square one again, right? Whether you're one of the younger guys on the team. But yeah, it took me a little while to adjust, but it wasn't a huge adjustment. And like anything else, you know, with more experience, the better you get, as long as you're learning from your mistakes. I think that's really important for for young players. I think I was, I think, smart enough to know that as a freshman in college, to, to really just try to take a lot in and watch from like the older successful players and just kind of how they went about doing their business. And I think that's what kind of helped me. But yeah, there's definitely an, an adjustment there in college. Absolutely. You played a ton. You had a ton of individual success, a ton of team success. I think you guys went to regionals all four years that you were at Rowan. Did you realize at the time you were a part of something that special, especially early on? Like that doesn't happen. That that's very, very rare to have high level success like that on a consistent basis throughout a career. Or like, were there moments you kind of looked around and go, "Oh, not everybody has this." Yeah, it, well, that was one of the things you know when you asked about why I chose Ron. I think. I could really see Juan Romero had a vision for the program and he wanted to try to, at that point, Rowan, you know, there was a history back in like the late seventies when they were, they won a couple of national championships and they're very good. And they had kind of fallen behind and that's what kind of appealed to me, the challenge of trying to get that pro help get the program back to where it was. And again, we had very good coaches that he, he did a great job recruiting there, got the talent back up to where we thought we could compete. And then I played for John Cole, my senior year there. And, you know, that year we, we wound up winning the conference. And again, you know, four regions in a row. I think John really did a good job getting Rowan back on a national level, you know, taking over after from Juan. And he just kind of kept the momentum going and really kind of took it to another level. A couple of years after that, Rowan wound up going to the D3 World Series two consecutive years. And, and they're having a lot of success right now. So, like, looking back on it, it's something that I'm proud of as an alum. You know, Mike Dixon's over there now doing a great job at Rowan. And we were high school teammates at Gloucester Catholic and college roommates at Rowan. We played together. So I'm, ex I'm really excited to see what he's got going on over there as well. But yeah, I, at the time we thought we were getting better. Looking back on it, it's, it's kind of nice to see that that success is, has really kind of catapulted that program. And, and they're still able to, to, to do that on a, at a high level. Talk about all the success. Are there moments that stand out from your college career that when you think back to your time at Rowan always kind of rise to the top be it a game and at bat a play in the field a bus ride whatever but like what would you put at the top of the list the, the one thing that really sticks out is just like the relationships you know that you develop I think in college and you know we had a lot of Jersey guys on our team obviously it's a, it's a state school but we had so many guys from like North Jersey and Central Jersey, you know, just hanging out, the camaraderie, those types of things. I guess from an individual standpoint, I guess my senior year, a couple of things that stood out was, you know, senior day, we were a game back in league standings and we had William Patterson coming in. We needed to win a doubleheader to win the outright regular season championship, which hadn't been done in a long time at Rowan. You know, we're facing a draft pick. So Sean Stokes from, from William Patterson, he's a pretty high pick. And first pitch of the game, I think I, I hit a home run off of him on senior day. And we wound up winning that game, close game, and uh, one game two to win the regular season. And then obviously having a great – we had a, a great run in the conference tournament as well. And 
I think I played really well in the tournament. There's, I guess for my senior year, those are the kind of things that, that, that stuck out to me the most on an individual side. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, you're still the Rowan leader all time in runs scored uh, and walks. How would you scout yourself as a player? You were a second baseman, you know, kind of if you were recruiting yourself, how would you what, what would the sheet look like uh, as far as your skill set and what you brought to the table? Yeah, I think I I think I did a good job under, understanding my strengths and weaknesses as a player. Um, obviously, wasn't very big. Um, I could run a little bit. Had a really good plate discipline. Took pride in being a really good leadoff hitter. As, you know, you talked about the walks and the runs scored. Just having a high on base percentage. You know, being able to, to steal a base when I needed to. Playing good defense. I think I was a solid player. I think on the. I think one thing that most people would say is I was pretty competitive, and I think that allowed me to to play up maybe a little a little bit above my my talent. So you know, that, that they were the things I think if you would have come to watch me a while back, maybe some of the things that would have stood out. I was definitely wasn't the most talented player on the field, but I I, I felt like I was more, probably one of the better competitors. Did you make a run trying any to to extend your playing career? Whether it was getting drafted, getting into a camp, or or what did or were you kind of focused on transitioning to coaching once your college days were up? Yeah, I kind of knew being a little undersized that professional baseball probably wasn't going to be there for me. I had a really interesting summer one year. I was playing locally in a summer league, and I had an opportunity to coach the first year Brooklawn had a junior legion team and Eric Philippeck at the time was going to manage that team we were playing like you know Belmar Tri-County League in the summer and he asked me he said you know he came to me one day and said hey you know I'm looking for someone to help me out coach this team it's like 15 and under junior legion team I said sure I'll help you and I didn't think I was going to like it as much as I did and long story short we wind up winning the states that year we had an opportunity. We wound up going and playing in an, like an NABF regional qualifier with like all these travel teams with our Brooklawn Legion team. It was it was really a talented team. We wound up winning, actually going down to Maryland, winning the winning the regional and going to the NABF World Series in Michigan, which was a really cool experience. And at that point, I knew I was like, I'm hooked. This is what I want to do. I'm going to try to coach. It was it was really cool. And I was in college at the time when I did that. So yeah, I guess I knew that was going to be the transition. Um, you know, from, from from playing going right into coaching. Did the playing itch, I mean, obviously it looks like you had it kind of mapped out, but I know a lot of times that itch to play, you can try, you can say you put it to bed, but it's still there. But were you able to, all right, my playing days are over. This is the focus now, especially when you're kind of younger and, you know, still in game shape, stuff like that. Yeah, I think for me, it was like, I had to just do it like cold turkey. <laughs> and I think, I feel like I was cheating the system because I was still going to be around, be around the game as much as possible. I think when I first, even when I first started coaching, now you know, I, you hop in and take a, a round of batting practice here or there. You know, when you when you start getting the itch, or when I was younger, you take some ground balls. Right now, if I if I tried to jump in and take a batting practice or take ground balls, I'd probably hurt myself. But yeah, back when I was younger, it was definitely something we'd we'd mess around doing. But for me, it was like, all right, once you're done, you're done, and it's time to move on and and go to the next phase of your career whether I liked it or not. <laughs> and your first coaching gig at the college level was at Rowan, like, right. You know, did you go right from a, a player to like a grad assistant assistant? Yeah, that's, that's correct. Man. I was, uh, I was still finishing up school. I had to student teach at the time. I thought I was going to be a teacher. So it was, it was easy for me to stay there. It was a little odd. Like your, your senior year, you're playing with these guys and the next year you're coaching them. So that's kind of a, an interesting transition. 
but I had a chance to really get my feet wet recruiting, you know, locally and was a part of recruiting some really good players in New Jersey. And to be able to, you know, I coached at Rowan for two years and a lot of the kids I recruited, I didn't get to coach because I went to Duke, become an assistant coach to see the success Rowan had with those kids that we brought in was, was very fulfilling. You mentioned that dynamic that you're playing with guys and then, you know, all of a sudden you're kind of in a position of authority, you know, with guys that are still your buddies in some cases, but still that dynamic, it can be tricky as you, as you kind of alluded. How did you kind of navigate that? Was it difficult? Did you kind of just have to kind of say, Hey, I, I'm not going to be able to hang out. I'm not going to be able to do X, Y, and Z anymore. It's, it's different. You know, how did you approach it? Yeah. I, I, most guys were pretty good about it. I think you're always going to have a couple that try to push it on you a little bit, see what they can get away with. And I, I remember having some conversations with guys and like, Hey man, just do me a favor. Just don't put me in that position. It was a little awkward, but for the most part, I think it, they handled it pretty, pretty good. I don't, I don't remember having any, any big problems with those guys. You know, if anything, I think on the other side, the guys that wanted to get better, especially on the, you know, with position players, I work with the hitters and, and the infielders, those guys, if anything, really wanted to get better. So they, I think they were pretty uh, respectful of that, you know, but it's definitely an interesting dynamic when you're, you're hanging out uh, with guys, you know, sometimes late in the evenings when you're still in college and then you go to being their coach. So yeah, you have to transition pretty quick. And it's really a dynamic that I don't know that it's something you can prepare for or anyone can impart to you. Like they can tell you it's going to be awkward or diff- difficult, but it's really kind of a thing I think you have to go through. It is. There's no way to prepare for it. It's odd because like you, you've done it for three or four years, right? In college. And it's like, Hey, what are we doing Friday night after practice or Saturday night? And then you're like, well, Guess I got to find some new friends to hang out with with for the next couple of years. So at the at that time, I had a girlfriend, a pretty serious girlfriend. So I think that helped. So it was uh, made it a little bit easier. You mentioned the student teaching, and you thought you're going to be a teacher, but you knew you wanted to coach. Like, what's the was there a crystallizing moment when you decided that coaching? I'm going to make a living out of it. It's not going to be something I do on the side or that I volunteer for. Like. It's going to be my living. Was there a, a moment? Yeah, 100%. And I can I know exactly when it was, Matt. It's when I was student teaching. And I realized actually how hard it was to be a teacher <laughs> and how patient you had to be. And I realized I didn't have the patience to do that. And I think that's why I have such respect for our teachers right now and how much that they go through. Um, I did it for a semester. And it, there were days, it was crazy. I would, I would student, we would practice in the mornings at like quarter to five at Rowan. And then I'd have to go student teach all day. And then, you know, by four o'clock in the afternoon, I was exhausted, you know? So I was, and I realized then I said, all right, if I'm going to do this, I'm, I want to do this full time. That, that was the moment for me because student teaching was difficult. And again, it just had like a, a new respect for teachers and what they do for our kids and, and, and how hard it actually is. But how much does having even just that little bit of teaching experience now in your role as a coach, how much do those tools in your toolbox help you? A tremendous amount. As a coach, you, you, we really are teachers, you know, and that's, we started this conversation, we talked about the fall and like the skill development side of things and understanding that everybody learns a little bit different, right? And that's something I learned back when I was at Rome. I've got certain guys here that I can show them something. And they can make an adjustment. They have other guys that need to feel it, right? 
other guys need to see it on video and it's just different. And a lot of the things that as far as being an educator coming up, you know, with that curriculum, a lot of those things carry over, you know, you're right about that. And there's still things that, you know, I use probably on a daily basis now with our team here at Penn. We need to take a break on one-on-one. We will have more with University of Pennsylvania head baseball coach, John Yurkow, right after this. And we are back. Our guest this week on one-on-one, University of Pennsylvania head baseball coach, John Yurkow. So you mentioned after Rowan, you go to Duke, you're there for a few years. How does the University of Pennsylvania originally come into to focus for you when you come on as an assistant? The interesting, I guess, thing that... It, John Cole, who was at Rowan while I was at Duke, he wound up taking the head job at University of Pennsylvania. And when that happened, he needed a recruiting coordinator. I was like kind of just finishing up at Duke. We had our daughter down there and we actually wound up moving back to the area and the recruiting coordinator position opened up John Cole's second year at Penn. And he, he gave me a call and said, hey, man, is this something you'd, you'd be interested in? And I guess being at Duke for four years as an assistant and having some experience recruiting nationally at, a, at an academic school, it really helped that transition coming to Penn and and really recruiting the same, I guess, type of student athlete. So that, that made it a lot easier on me. And I was really excited to, to come over and, and help him out at Penn. Do you enjoy the recruiting part? Because it, it sounds like, I mean, it's a big part of every coach's at co- the college level of the, of the pie, but... Is it something that you especially gravitate towards? Yeah, it's a little different as a head coach. You know, when you're an assistant and, and it's one of your primary responsibilities, it's a, it's a little different. You know, and I'm fortunate to have two awesome uh, full-time assistant coaches. And I've got Coach DeMaria over here, too. He's our third assistant. Derek does a great job. But, but having Mike Santillo, our recruiting coordinator, and Josh Schwartz, he's our pitching coach. Those guys are tremendous recruiters. You know, they're, they're probably traveling a little bit more than me and, and doing a lot of, a lot more of the legwork for me. It's more, I think the important thing about being a good recruiter is, is about relationships. Right. And, and as a head coach, it changes a little bit. You spend more time with, with mom and dad and really trying to get to know the family. I think that's really important for us here at Penn. You know, I think it's one of the reasons over the last, you know, four or five years, why we've had so much success recruiting is we've, we changed things up years ago and really trying to take a deep dive into what the families are like, you know, trying to ask them some of the tougher questions to find out what the student athletes all about. I mean, there's a lot of kids out there, Matt, that are, you know, they're a good enough baseball player. They're a really good student and, you know, financially they can make it work to come to Penn and it's a big United States. And I think when we really started to upgrade our recruiting, we tried to take it another step further. We could check off those three boxes. A lot of people can, right? I think like there's this tendency, if you can get all three of those boxes checked, you're like, oh, great, let's take this kid. But I think if you really want to excel, you know, and what we learned is you got to take it a step further and really try to to dig down into what that student athlete, what that player is all about. And I think you can do a lot of that by really trying to develop relationships with the family. And it's, it's really easy. You, if you recruit good kids from, from good families, you get to coach good kids, right? And those kids are going to go and do things for you and, and stick their neck out and, and really play hard. You know, we're looking for kids here that really understand what a degree from Penn, what that can do for them. Kids that are not, you know, always coming from like a privileged background, getting well-rounded, like blue-collar kids here. You know, it's, it's a wide range of student athlete. And I think that's one of the things kids that don't take it for granted 
you know, the opportunities that they're going to have if they if they come to a place like this. During your assistant years, Rowan, Duke, and then at Penn, I think everybody that gets into coaching thinks about having their own program eventually. Do you remember when you started to feel not that it was something you wanted to do, but something you were ready to do? Like you had accumulated the skill set and the experience where you felt when the opportunity comes, whatever that looks like, I'm ready and I'm. it's going to start to be something that I really consciously kind of focus my career towards. If you had asked me that question when I was 26, I probably would have told you, oh yeah, I'm ready now. You know, <laughs> I wasn't uh, looking back on it, but yeah, I think, you know, the different stops, you, you pick up different things from different head coaches. I coach for some really different, you know, as an assistant, really different personalities played for coaches with really different personalities. And I felt like along the way, I always felt like, oh, this coach does this really good. Whether I was playing for that coach or coaching with him, try to pick up things that work well, things that just as importantly, things that don't work well. You know, I think you're, everybody's been there at that job where you're like, oh, if I was in charge, I probably wouldn't have handled it that way. Right. Or, oh, I really like the way he handled that, at, you know, that situation there. And that's a great way to do it. And I think that's one of the things I, I feel like I did a pretty good job of It's kind of taking note on a lot of those things, you know, and then things worked out here at Penn. And when they brought me on to be the head coach, I just felt like my experience had allowed me to, to have success early on in, in my career as a head coach. I also think I had an advantage because there's built in institutional knowledge. I was here as an assistant coach, right? So I think knowing how to get things done here at Penn, I think I had a little bit of an advantage being an internal candidate. I think that was also really important for me. And it, and it worked out pretty well. So I think it's 2013 you take over, the summer of 2013 you take over the program. It's interesting. We talked about the dynamic, you know, when you go from a college player to a college assistant with the same group. There's a different dynamic, I think, when you go from assistant to head coach with the same group. Was there a, a transition there in the way the kids responded to the different roles? And if so, how much did your experience with what you did at Rowan, did that help you kind of internally process how that transition and how that dynamic changes? Yeah, I definitely think that my experience at Rowan helped me going from playing with guys and coaching. And then the same thing happened very quickly going from an assistant coach to a head coach still at the same institution. I, you know, I had a, re a relationship with all those guys. I, you know, I recruited them all, right. I, I coached them. And I remember when I interviewed at Penn, the AD at the time was Steve Bilski. He asked me, he said, John, why, you know, why should I hire you? Like, it was a really tough question. My second interview, they, they flew me back from Chicago and they did a national search and there was, you know, some really good candidates involved. And, you know, I didn't have any head coaching experience. So I, you know, I was kind of getting tugged in different directions for like two months. And obviously I wanted to get the job because there's a lot of uncertainty. If you don't get the job, you don't know what you're going to do. So I, I fly back for a second interview and I'm sitting in Steve Bilski's office. And I, and I, as I'm flying back from Chicago, I'm thinking, well, they're bringing me back. They're either going to tell me, hey, turn your stuff in. You're done. You're going somewhere else. Or they're going to offer me the job. As soon as I walk into his office, the first thing Steve says to me, he goes, John, I'll tell you right now, I'm not going to offer you the job today. <laughs> and I remember thinking like, oh God, like I flew back for this, you know, he really just wanted to talk to me a little bit more. I, I, I think I realized as, as, as disappointed as I was, he didn't offer me the job that day. I realized that he really wanted to try to get some more thorough answers, right? He wanted more information. And again, he came, he's like, I, I, he's like, answer this question. Why should I hire you? And I said, simple, Steve, like 
I know we're going to win here. And he said, well, how do you know that? I said, I know because I, I recruited all these guys. We just need to switch some things up and I, we're going to be competitive. And we're going to be competitive right away. And then he, you know, he went a little further and, and asked me some more questions about that. You know, looking back on it, I'm proud to say that, you know, we had a pretty significant turnaround my first couple of years here at Penn and, and really started to get things going in the right direction. So, but yeah, that was an interesting transition for sure. What were a couple of the things that, you know, helped lead to that being able to compete and win right away? Yeah, I think just trying to get the mindset changed within the program. I I think it's really important. I think baseball is such a sport of dealing with failure. I think you got to pump guys up a lot more, you know, and I hate to say it, but sometimes you got to be more of a sports psychologist than you do a coach. You see it at the big league level. I mean, all those guys are talented, right? And as good as they are, sometimes they, they really struggle from time to time. And we know here being in Philly, this isn't an easy place to play in this town, right? And, you know, sometimes these guys feel the weight of the world on their shoulders. And I think you just got to get young kids to understand, listen, it's okay to fail from time to time. It's like, how are you going to deal with it at that point, right? And it, it's easier said than done. Some kids are just better at it. But I really think that it's a skill that you can work on. You know, it, it, it's part of being resilient, dealing with adversity. I think there are things that you can, if you can push stuff like that on kids and put them in tough situations during practice, when those things come in the game, it's easier for them to handle. And I could really start to, to sense a few months after like my first fall here, that guys started playing a little bit more free and easy. And we really just tried to, as a coaching staff, just put, put upon those guys like, listen, it's okay. Make your mistakes now. If you're making them and they're aggressive, that's fine. We can always dial you back, right? And that's a part of learning. But I, it's it's a lot harder to, to gear guys up. It's easier to gear them down. It's it's hard to like to try to get kids to play hard and be excited about something. And again, like we talked about recruiting, you know, I'm I'm 46 years old. If I'm more excited to go to the field for practice than an 18 year old, then th- we've got problems, right? <laughs> and that's what we tell kids when we bring them in here recruiting. Like for for a coach. There's so many different responsibilities off the field that you have to handle just to be able to go to the field. That's like, that's like the, uh, your, your bonus, right. At the end of the day, like being able to go to the field and actually coach. It's been great. I've had, again, same two of the, the same coach, same coaches, assistant coaches, Mike Santel and, and Josh Schwartz have been with me the entire time I've been here as a head coach. And I also think that's really helped just having the continuity within our coaching staff. They're great teachers and are also great leaders of young men. And I think that's that's one of the reasons why we had some success. When you take over as head coach, one of the things I think a lot of fans, followers don't appreciate is how much falls under the purview of a head coach that has nothing to do with whether or not to hit and run and what who's going to start the Saturday game, stuff like that. It, you know, stuff that just you wouldn't think falls onto your plate. When you take over the program, do you remember, even with all your experience within the program and as an assistant coach, was there something that kind of smacked you in the face going, oh, never consider that was something I was going to have to worry about, but here we go. Yeah. I mean, I guess you see it when you're, you know, even as an assistant coach, but the, the one thing that really stands out, Matt, is the fundraising side, the financial side, you know, the autonomy with our budget, uh, how we're going to spend things, but more importantly, how we're going to raise it, you know, and people think, Hey, this is the university of Pennsylvania. You guys have all that money over there that endowment. It doesn't work that way on the athletic side. I'm happy to say, you know, we're, we're renovating our, our stadium. Michael John stadium's getting renovated. It's going to be called, you know, Tommy Lasorda field. It's a $5 million project. It's taken us about six years to, to get that done. So just the amount of time and effort relationship building, 
on the alumni side. And we're really fortunate here at Penn. Uh, I will say that our, our alums have been super supportive. A lot of the guys that graduate here, I think, really value the opportunity that baseball provided for them. And they're very philanthropic and generous as far as giving back. But it still takes a lot of work, you know, those relationships. And I've got some other things planned now, you know, that we're getting ready to, to break ground on the stadium here uh, at the end of October. A couple other things that, you know, we've got some some other irons in the fire to try to continue to improve our program here. I'm curious, and I think you probably have a special appreciation for this because you have that experience coaching at Duke. I don't think another thing the average fan doesn't appreciate is how much baseball in the Northeast the challenges you face just because of where you are. And I don't mean that from a campus standpoint. I just mean that from a weather, from a geographic standpoint, you know, there are times you just can't practice outside your early season. If not much of your schedule, it can be thrown all over the place because all it takes is a nor'easter to come through and everything. And you, things can get to the point where you're not, you're just trying to get through the day schedule wise, and you're not able to kind of set your roster and set pitching ideas straight ahead. Uh, whereas a lot of times teams in the South and the West, they don't, that's just not part of the equation. How much do you have to deal with that? And how much of a challenge is it when you're trying to compete nationally, when you have to deal with things that frankly, you know, 60%, 65% of the teams in the country, it's just not something they have to worry about on the regular every season. It's not something that's going to come up on a consistent basis. I always joke around. I say, you know, when I come back and get reincarnated, if I had to do it all over again, I'm going to come back and be like a volleyball coach where <laughs> you're inside, it's climate controlled. You're, you're not raking fields or worrying about the weather forecast as much. Um, we always, we always get a good laugh about that one, but yeah, it's, it's definitely something you have to work around being in the Northeast, but I think a lot of it is about mindset. And I will say this, Matt, like, when you look at our facilities here at Penn and we have a, an unbelievable indoor facility, that's a, it's a full bubble bigger than a football field that we can scrimmage in. It's climate controlled. It's heated. Is it the same as being outside? No, but it's pretty close, you know? And I think if you kind of take a step back and look at the baseball landscape and you really see what's happened in the last 10 to 12 years, I think one of the reasons why some of the Northeast schools, not all of them, but it's not as abnormal to see a a well-coached team in the Northeast go down South or go out West and win a series early in the year now, as it used to be, because I think a lot of places have caught up with indoor facilities. I think that's one of the things that's really helped to kind of level the playing field. Is it ever going to be the same as playing in Texas or Florida? No, it's not. Right. But I know this, if you have a turf field, you're going to get out on your field a lot more often, right? To be able to get outside. If you have a really nice indoor facility, it, it really is going to help even even the playing field. And that's one of the things that I you're starting to see some schools invest a little bit more in baseball programs. I mean, Division One baseball nationally over the last ten years has grown leaps and bounds. You see it with the TV ratings, with ESPN, with the College World Series, and there's definitely a trickle down effect even for like the mid majors here in the Northeast, which has been great for the sport. But I think, again, it's, it's part of the mentality. Like last year, I think we were outside maybe one, one or two days and we have to go down to, to college station and open, open up against Texas A&M. And, you know, we went down there and we had a pretty good weekend. We took two or three on the road. You know, they wound up being a, a team that played in the college 
World Series last year. So it can be done. I think a lot, it's a lot, you know, like really trying to, you know, drive home that mentality of your guys. It's going to be harder here. So what? Like nobody cares. Texas A&M is not going to care when you go down there in the fourth inning that it was too cold for you to practice outside up in Philadelphia. I think the quicker you can hammer that point home to your guys, you talk about your team culture and really start to build that stuff. You know, the faster you can move past maybe playing in, in some some tougher weather. And that's something you got to work on every day. And I'm curious, how much does that, is it a role in recruiting? And I mean that both ways. Like, are there kids that are hesitant to come out because of not being able to go outside as good as the facilities are and, and the weather? But also, do you kind of want a kid that's got that, I want it to be hard. That's going to be part of, you know, I, I don't want everything to be easy. I want the challenge. Like, does it work both ways? I, I think it does. I think you're going to lose some kids right out of the gate, right? Let's say, hey, I'm from the Northeast. I've been up here. I want to go somewhere where it's 90 degrees every day. And I get it. Some kids want to do that. But I do think when you look at what Penn has to offer from a facility side, is it going to be 90 degrees every day? No. Are the facilities great? Yes, they are. Is the education great? It's one of the best you can get in the country, right? So we have things that can kind of counter that uh, for the most part. And I do think kids that, if you look at our roster, I'd say 60% of our roster is probably from the Northeast quarter. That's not by accident. I think people that live, live in the area, live locally from, you know, Northern Virginia up into New England, understand what this place is all about here at Penn. They see the facilities, uh, they understand the education. Those kids are used to playing in maybe not ideal weather, right, early in the season. And those kids have, have really flourished here. You know, we've had a ton of kids from, from New Jersey, from PA that have gone on that have great careers here and, and kids from the Midwest even that, you know, were, were drafted. I think we had 10 kids drafted in like the last eight years, you know, and there are kids from, from you know, north, uh, colder environments. And, yeah, it does. I think it does allow you to get a grittier kid to add to your roster. We talked about the great success you guys had this past season and the success you've had overall. I think you're already third on the Penn win coaching wins list. What are you most proud of, of your time so far as the head coach at Penn? I think the the thing I look at is like, you know, whenever I wind up, you know, stop coaching at Penn, like when you look back on your time, is the place better than when you got there, you know, when you leave and, you know, what are the relationships like? And not just the, the relationship player to coach, but like the people that are that make up our athletic program and the university here. What's it going to look like when, when you finish coaching? And I'm, I'm, I'm proud to say that, you know, there's some great people here that I get to work with on a daily basis. Not just my, this not just the coaching staff. Support staff is great. They're people that are truly invested in the student athletes here at Penn and really try to make it a well-rounded experience. And I think there's, there's a lot, you know, that's very gratifying to be able to come into that work environment every day. And, you know, you hear people talk about being able to take a profession or, you know, follow that path where it doesn't really feel like work. Like I probably shouldn't admit that out loud, right? Cause I'll probably, they may ask me to do it for free, but it's like, it really is. It's, I never wake up and say, Oh man, I got to go to work today. It's just not like that. You know, I think coaching, it gets in you. It's, it's different. And obviously we've got more to do on the field. As far as success, there's some things, some goals that we want to hit. And we feel like we're, we're on track to do those, those things here. But, you know, I think it's, it's, it's not just about wins and losses either. It's trying to, to build this, the facilities up and, and get this program to a spot where it's self-sustainable, you know, financially and really hammering home the fact that we got to keep doing our, our job fundraising and 
and just try to, to allow these guys that come here that make that commitment to have the, the best experience possible for the student athlete. Your college year should be the best four years of your life. And as a coach, we're just trying to help make that happen. You mentioned goals. What are some of the things that are kind of on the chalkboard? Short term, you know, not necessarily has to be this season, but things that you you want for the program that are you're still striving for. I'd like us to get to a point where when people think of Northeast baseball, that we're one of the teams to say, you know what, those guys in Philly, they can play. Like Penn's baseball programs, they're tough, man. You know, and whether it the scholar, there's scholarships there or not, it's you know, and I, I just keep thinking back, like. One of the things I felt like that really started to flip that, Matt, was we go back, we're playing Duke. I want to say it was like 2018, maybe. And we go down to play them midweek and, and we win two games. We beat them on like a Tuesday and Wednesday. And I really felt like that was uh, last year's seniors were freshmen. And they had a big part in, in winning those two games down at Duke. And from that point on, I, I really felt like our guys thought, hey, we can go anywhere and we can compete with anybody. And I think it was apparent last year when we opened up down in Texas at AM and you know, we're playing playing those types of teams, ACC teams, SEC teams. But yeah, I want to get us to a spot where we're competing for championships every year in our league and we're going to go into a regional. And I, I think we're going to be good enough to win a regional one day. I thought last year we, we had enough talent to do it. And putting the, this program on the map nationally is something that we talk about. You know, there's some of the things on the field, you know, and off the field, the other things too, you know, we spend so much time, again, we talked about fundraising, but really, again, trying to build the, the facilities side of things up here. You know, I've got some things that I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get done too. You know, once we get the stadium project completed, which should be done here for our first game and, you know, for this season, some other things that kind of really continue to, to ramp up on the facility side. And my final question, you've kind of you know, I think anybody that's listened to this can probably put the pieces together. What's the favorite part of what you do? It's the relationships. It is the, the teaching side of it, the day-to-day conversations with the players. You know, just the other day I was given, I had a guy, a guy from Dallas and I was giving him a hard time. He's a Cowboys fan. Right. And yeah, obviously the Eagles are playing. Like it's, it's, it's a daily interaction. You know, it's, it's the jabs back and forth with the older guys on the team, you know, trying to get those guys prepared. Because really, like I always say, it's like the practices should be for the coaches, but the games really, they're for the players. And just to watch them go out and compete and enjoy themselves and see them have that like fulfilling experience. That's to me what it's what it's really, really all about that, you know, and, and, the, and the fact that you can come in every day and I can be around people that I really enjoy being around, like with our coaching staff here. They're really good people. They're great leaders of young men. So I'm proud to say that like I get to come into work and enjoy, you know, just spending time with those guys. It really is a very gratifying experience. And I also think, again, I'm extremely fortunate to be at such a great institution. University of Pennsylvania is, a, is an unbelievable place, and I do not take that for granted. John, your cow, this was a ton of fun. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. And that will do it for this week's episode. I want to thank University of Pennsylvania head baseball coach John Yurkow for being our guest this week. Now, if you like the show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, want to help us out, leave us a rating and a review. You can follow the show on Twitter at one on one pod. You can follow me on Twitter as well at MattLeon1060. Thanks so much for listening and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.